Okay, I'm going to start this pig. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Comic Book Dungeon podcast. My name is Mark, and I'm coming from you deep underground in the Comic Book Dungeon. And my name is Cruz, and I'm coming to you from right above ground in the Wolf Spider Arena. Uh, how's the temperature in the Wolf Spider Arena? Uh, you know what? I'm wearing two layers, uh, one of which is my Deadpool riding a unicorn over a rainbow set of PJs, <laughs> and the other set is my unicorn and jackaloop uh, onesie on top of that. So yeah, it's a little chilly. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna throw some hatred my way. Uh, I'm wearing a hoodie. I'm wearing jeans and a hoodie. I'm wearing a Gears of War two hoodie. So. Well, I guess I guess the dungeon's a little damp and cold today. Uh, yeah, I'm just probably being a bit of a wuss today. But hey, we got we got to get comfortable. But we're layered up because it's that <laughs> time of season again. It's uh, December, or as we like to call it around these parts, punish December. Yeah, we uh we suck because we didn't do Punish Sember last year, and this has been gnawing on my conscience for some time. And we don't talk about last year. <laughs> <laughs> we uh we did a Halloween episode, and then uh we uh we started releasing again in like August. So there was a a bit of shit that happened, and I I take full responsibility. Uh, I have been punished behind the scenes in uh, unimaginable ways, so that's fine. But to make it up for you guys, uh, to you guys, we decided to cover one of my favorite Punisher stories of all time. And I was really excited because Cruz had not read this one before. And just to hear his reactions to it when he had uh, read it and just to get his, uh, his reactions as we talk about this today, I'm very excited because this episode uh, we are covering... Uh, the what if Venom had uh, possessed the Punisher, which is as cool as it fucking sounds. But yeah, we will uh, we'll jump back to that here in a second. We'll do some uh, housekeeping like we do up front. So what's uh, what's going on with you, Cruz? Oh well, uh, not really much going on. Uh, just uh, oh jeez, uh, I wish I could say I'd been either watching or reading or anything of that sort, anything that was cool. But I have. It's it's been uh, it's been you know it's that holiday season it's been really busy it's definitely uh, taken its toll on uh, my ability to enjoy media of any sort uh, except other than my addiction to Destiny too. <laughs> yeah, I saw you were on uh, around it was uh, Black Friday and yeah, I was laughing when I was uh, every time I'd log in or log out I just saw like uh, your screen tag like gamer tag Dest- or Destiny two. So yeah, you've uh, I, uh, you've definitely been enjoying uh, the Destiny two and the content, which is awesome. I, I have, uh, um, you know, they've done some amazing things with it lately, uh, you know. And I know you fell off of it a while back, but it, it it's it, there's been some really good going ons with it, um, you know, as far as you can with the same like looter shooter mechanics. But the storytelling they've been they've been getting really better at it and. The new content modes are actually really fun. Uh, but, you know, on top of that, 
uh, I am part of a, a, a gaming community as one of their admin ad, administrators slash Sherpas slash old man of the clan. So, you know, I've got responsibilities to be one of the top uh, the top players in my 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 little freaking niche. So I uh, yeah yeah I've been uh, heavy is the head that wears the crown. It is. It is. You know, there is. It's something to be uh, to sadly be the raid sherpa for your clan, and uh, and 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 have to freaking learn these new raids. Because I mean, you've done them with me before. Sometimes they're easy. Sometimes they're mechanics heavy, and sometimes you just have a team of dimwits that don't know what the fuck they're doing. Nothing makes me. Whenever (sighs) I hear the word raid, I I always flash back to uh, Wrath of the Machines from the original Destiny. Is that what it you was? Know, yeah, the yeah, and you, me, and Schneider for hours and hours, like six hours, trying to beat that bitch. I beat that record. <laughs> That's not a good record. There, beat. there is a, a, a new a new raid that dropped with the the new annual update. Uh, if you if okay, Wrath of Machine was a little complex for a raid, a little bit, not overly. This one. Like before we go into it, I usually give, you know, if I've got a whole bunch of newbies with me, I'll usually give a, a little motivational speech. And, and part of that speech kind of goes something like this. <clears throat> All right, guys, look, this raid is all about pure, unadulterated aggression while keeping that aggression coordinated and communicating what you need from each other at the same time. If you're going to sit there and just be fucking mum on the mic, you're of no fucking use to me. You can go and I'll find a replacement. If you're going to do this, you've got to be able to follow some basic instructions. If you can't do that, I'll give you a couple of shots, but I'm going to boot you. Because I don't want to be stuck here for eight hours like I was when I was figuring this whole raid out. <laughs> and yes, I was stuck for eight hours doing that raid. Man, I I had fun when we were doing it, but I just I don't think I can I I don't think I I could put that much time in, at one time into a video game at this point in, uh, with how stuff is. So yeah. It's it's brutal, and I've I've gotten my my buddy James. You know, I, he's he's a filthy casual in the world of Destiny, but he he writes for uh, a couple of the like Android Central, Windows Central, freaking websites. Yeah, and, and you know he likes to cover Destiny too. You know, it, it, along with all the other regular like phone stuff and three D printing stuff that he normally does. He does like to get on the video game beat a little bit because that's that's his hobby. That's that's what he loves doing. Uh, and, and I'll usually freaking wrangle him into a raid because he doesn't have like like anything that's that that you turn a hobby of yours into a profession, you no longer have the time to do that shit. Yeah, absolutely. So, so he doesn't have the time to invest in it like he once did. So he he'll rely on me to kind of be able to get a team together to try and run him through some of the end game content and. Yeah, I mean, if you have people that can't listen, uh, any other part of the game, that's fine. That end game content, though, uh, for Destiny, if if you guys can't, if the guys can't gel together as a team and understand all of the mechanics, and that's one thing. This raid, uh, 
like there's been other ones where you could just have one guy and be like, hey, dude, you're on ad clear. Just stay alive. You're, you'll be fine. You can't do that with like some of the last two raids that Bungie put out for that game. So everybody has to like at least have a basic understanding of what everybody else is doing and what they need to do at the same time. And also has to be able to effectively communicate whether they need help or what, what they're doing to let someone else know to get ready for them to do what they're supposed to do. So yeah, it's, it, it's, uh, I'll tell you how, how much of a difference it makes. It makes, uh, there's, there's four encounters throughout this entire raid. I got stuck. I started doing the third encounter with the, with the random group and we couldn't finish the fourth encounter in a seven and a half hour period. Okay, so the last half of the raid, seven and a half hours, and still they couldn't finish it versus happening, happening upon like a clan Ella, a looking for looking for a group post where they just needed somebody that knew what they were doing just to fill in a hole, jumping in with them. And all these guys like when they w- when they were going through, it was like listening to fucking F-18 pilots fucking talk on the radio. It was like, OK, we've got the freaking uh, consecrated mine over here. All right, I'm going to take first Loogie, you take second Loogie, third person, you take the last hairball. hairball. Okay, yep, I've got it. I've done my part. Okay, yep, you've got it. You've done your part. All right, moving on. Okay, objective completed, done. And like that through the whole thing. And we managed to get it done in an hour and 15 minutes. Nice. Yeah, that's, that's the difference of having a team that understands everything working together and communicating well versus having a team that doesn't understand anything and doesn't want to fucking get on the mic and talk to each other. <laughs> Brings back a lot of, like I said, a lot of memories from the original well, destiny. Yeah. Yeah. And it's always been my favorite part of the game and also my most frustrating part of the game. Yep. Uh, but I, I think there, there's a, you should come back with me for a day and, you know, take, take a tour. I'm, I'm almost like afraid to, I just I I fell down that Destiny hole hard uh, when uh, I got when I got into the original Destiny and I mean do you I was like sleeping like three hours a night and sleeping on my lunch breaks and shit <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, staying I... up till like four and five in the morning and I just it was it was something that somebody in his mid thirties I just it was it. I don't think I would necessarily fall into it now just because my schedule wouldn't necessarily allow it, but I don't know. I, I had played so hot and heavy on that first one, I kind of burned out, and I was excited for two, and it wasn't different enough. It I, was No, it I, wasn't, and they, I just they felt fucked like up I was, a lot of stuff. Yeah, I felt like I was, I was just chasing the same shit for the same reason. and Yeah, I mean, I, I bought a bunch of the extensions uh, expansions for it, so I plan to, to hit it at some point. I'm just... I don't know. I'm not. I could probably be talked into it. I know Schneider tried to talk me into it for a while. For a while, friend of the show, Schneider. A game that you had talked to me about that I had I'd recently picked up was uh, Dragon's Dogma on the uh, for the Switch, though, and that's been pretty awesome. That uh, yeah, that that is a great Switch game, and I'm uh, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking about freaking picking up. Uh, uh, oh fuck. Oh my god! I just brain farted. Massive, 
huge brain fart. That, uh, that that no no. I, I've I've been thinking about Marvel, but I've also been thinking about that RPG when we talked about earlier. Skyrim, uh, not Skyrim. I've sank already like Fire over two hundred hours. Fire Emblem, Fire Emblem. Because my kids, my 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 daughters are all, uh, my older three daughters, I should say, are all very big into anime. Yeah, I have heard nothing but great things about. If you're an RPG fan, Fire Emblem. Right. Yeah, so like they're into anime and they're into freaking RPGs. So I, I think I've mentioned it on the show before. Like my older two and I are playing through Detroit Become Human. Yep. Uh, actually, well, one of my older two is playing, and myself and my other the other twin are just kind of chilling out and watching and kind of like helping her make decisions. Yeah, sometimes it's fun to play games like that. Like Schneider and I. He, this is a very Schneider focused episode, but yeah. I'll play a lot, and he likes to sit in the background, and uh, we uh, we kind of co-pilot on some shit. Oh, yeah. I, I think we did something similar way back in the day with Ocarina of Time. <laughs> that was way back. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, talking about Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, they're the, there's supposed to be a second DLC pack that they when they had announced the DLC, they said the second one would be out before 2020. And so there's some speculation that they might be stealth launching that not, uh, sometime between now and the end of the year, and that's supposed to be their X-Men pack. So all right, uh, I put that one down. Just, I, that was another one of those games that was becoming a bit of a time suck. But, yeah, I would definitely jump on when we get some more uh, uh, content. But, yeah, if you, uh, you pick that up, I, can, I, I, I would definitely throw down with you. Uh, you know what? I'm going to have to add uh... – I'm gonna have to add that to my wish list and see if uh, Santa Claus will bring it to me, along with the freaking whatever the online thing is for the Switch. Yeah, I love the the online things. I I go back and I play because it, it gives you access to Nintendo and Super Nintendo games, and I can't wait for that to expand up to the N64. But yeah, I uh, I play Pilot Wings and uh, several other things like uh, Ninja Gaiden and whatnot through that, and it's awesome. Nice. Yeah, we we've had we have a lot of conversations about our uh, love fest for the Switch. I mean, it's just such a kick-ass system. I love playing a lot of those classic Nintendo or uh, like Nintendo era games, and uh, just the ability to play, especially a lot of like older gen games now that they're porting to it on the go. Like Alien Isolation just hit this week, and uh, I can't justify buying that right now. I'm gonna wait till that uh, hits a sale. Because that's one that I've been waiting to play. That's been sit. I got it for like eight bucks one day on my PS4, and it's just been sitting unplayed. But I know if I could play that in bed, I would play the shit out of that. Yeah, I, I actually did put a uh, a Switch Lite on my Christmas list. Let's see if it happens. Yeah, because you, <laughs> man, I want to throw down on some uh, some Marvel. We did a little bit when you were out here, uh, and you were uh, pioneering Miss Marvel. Oh yeah, she was a fun character. Yeah, I uh. I had a lot of characters I didn't like to, to play as, and then uh, when I my first, say, 10 hours in the game, and I've come around on a lot of them. But, yeah, she's a, a good support player. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely more fond of playing a support class. That's just me, though. Yeah, I've, uh, I've had a lot of... Because it, it's a game where it, they definitely... You have, like, a character I think is more support, more of a, a, a melee, then there's a subclass of tank... And then uh, you have some uh, hybrids, 
and it just it play, it it adds some replay value, which that's a game that encourages a lot of grinding, so it can be fun to to switch those up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and you know, with two switches in a household, uh, it'll be interesting to to get some multiplayer going on with the others. Yeah, I I look forward to to try because I've never tried multiplayer with mine, and hearing your your experience with it because I've had I've heard a lot of people complain that that is the Achilles heel of the Switch that whenever they play online, there's a lot of lag. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. That'd be fun to to kind of dip a toe in those waters and see how it handles it and everything. Yeah, it's. I mean, that's one area that Nintendo has never. I mean, this is. They had a little bit of online play with the Wii and Wii U, but I mean Nintendo has never that has never been their 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 forte. That has never been something that they put a lot of time into. And I think with the Switch, they were really designing this for the ground up. And I mean PlayStation, their first outing with PS3, PlayStation Network, you could de- definitely was not nearly as polished as uh, Xbox Live. That had a curve for them as well, and it's taken Nintendo a while to to figure this shit out. Yeah, yeah, that's that is for certain. Although they they have the PlayStation Four, they've gotten really good about it. Yeah, when they switched from the three to the four, you could tell that they had taken a lot of the lessons they'd learned along the way. Yep. Plus, there's a lot of rumors surrounding. I haven't seen anything lately, but I know last year Nintendo started to get really buddy buddy with Microsoft, and there's there's talk that. There's rumors that Microsoft might step in and really just kind of take over the network play for them, which I think would be a smart move. That would be pretty freaking awesome, actually. Yeah, there was a lot of talk that they would do that, and then that there would be uh, you'd, you'd be able to stream some Xbox games to the Switch. And I mean, some of this stuff has come to pass. Some of those rumors, like Cuphead, which was a Microsoft exclusive, is available on the Switch. They got real chummy. Uh, Microsoft and, and Nintendo. There was even rumors at one point that Microsoft might buy Nintendo. That I don't know how I feel about that one. I mean, I, I mm, no. Uh, really? I don't. I don't know. Man, we're this is one of those rare things where we're on other sides of uh, on, on two different sides here. No, I, I mean Nintendo for as niche as Nintendo can be sometimes, and how and for how overly child-friendly they they are some really innovative design comes out of their particular philosophy of how they handle stuff and to have microsoft come in and like i don't know corporatify it you know and yeah i know nintendo's a giant corporation i mean i'm aware of that but to have them come in and do do their you know American style corporifying of it? I don't know if that would transition well to to keeping the love of the brand that they have. What I think would happen, or what I'm hoping would happen, is Microsoft with in terms of the Xbox. The Xbox has never done well in Asia. Um, if you remember with the original Xbox, the price cuts they would do and like the crazy bundles where they would bundle like Halo and like two other games. Or so, I mean, they would, and they would just never get any penetration. Microsoft knows that the Xbox is just never going to do that well in Japan. I think if they were smart, if they bought Nintendo, I don't, I think they would keep it like a separate entity and they would still keep, it's not like they would call it like, you know, the Microsoft, you know, Switch next generation. 
they would keep Nintendo's like offices. They'd keep it as a separate entity because that's a name that's going to make them money internationally. But now you have things like properties like Pokemon that you can bring to the uh, the Xbox, and you can bring some of those like Halo. You can release on a Nintendo system, and that's something that a series that has never really done well for them in Asia. That might be the uh, the vehicle to get that penetration that they've been looking for. And like you said, Nintendo. They've hit some losses the last several years, like most companies, but they do really good with those international markets. I think that Microsoft would be a, if they did buy it, would be a fool to do anything to to taint that brand with their, um, with with their Americanized product and uh, uh, reputation. Fair enough. So, I mean, it's probably not going to happen, but I like to see them get closer, and just the fact that we're seeing some games, you know, go back and forth, that would be cool to see if we ever got to the point where you saw, you know, Gears of War, Xbox, PC, and, oh, you can stream it to the Switch, and some uh, Nintendo products, oh, uh, 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 you can stream that to your Xbox. That, that would be cool. I mean... Don't get me wrong. I, I I love the idea of sharing ecosystems or at least overlapping. Uh, my only concern is the creative side of it. But, you know, I mean, if if they are smart about it and, and they don't um, cross-contaminate, I guess, overly much, it, it does have potential to, to really work out for them. I think we have already seen some benefits from the chummy relationship that Microsoft and, and Nintendo, which that is so unlikely. If you had said, if you had told somebody that several years ago, they would have laughed at you. But with how, and you would have thought of of all the, of the three main companies, it would have been Nintendo that wouldn't want to play nicely with crossplay. But with the Switch, they're like, yeah, we don't care. We uh, yeah, 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 go for it. And so when you had Microsoft and Nintendo, like, say, with, like, Rocket League, like, really cool with the cross-play, this started to put a lot of pressure on, on Sony. And I think that's why Sony started to relent with the cross-play was because they – if you know, if somebody has two systems, why would they buy a game for the PS4 if, uh, if you get it for another system, you can play with all your friends instead of some of your friends? I think that that, that kind of strong-armed Sony a little bit. Yeah, which was, uh, which was good. Any other house? Oh, one thing I did want to mention. I want to break the timeline a little bit. And uh, so this is the second time we are recording this weekend. And I'm not going to give away too many details, but we uh, uh, we haven't recorded our last episode of Kill Raven yet. But we recorded part of our uh, the, the our first episode covering Star Trek: The Motion Picture. We jumped into the Marvel comics with issue four because the first three issues are just the them uh, doing their uh, like novelization of the uh, of the uh, movie. So we had a guest that we talked about. I, I think we mentioned it last episode. Uh, we Steve, did. Yeah, Super Steve from uh, Marvel Noise. So that was when we all agreed to talk. And man, I have to say, I think it's the most fun I've had recording an episode, and I think it's the most we've all laughed. While recording an episode. <laughs> so it felt really awesome. So I can't wait. Uh, we're going to do Kill Raven. We're going to get that one out. And then so that will be the last show of the this 2019 will be the last issue of Kill Raven. So in early January, we'll be getting our switch over. 2020 uh, will be the year of Star Trek. And we're kicking it off with a great fucking show. 
So yeah, I'm real excited about it. Fantastic intro. It was uh, it, it was it was an honor to meet uh, Super Steve. Uh, <laughs> he was God. Uh, that that is a guy that uh, if you've heard him before, uh, you can tell he's got a huge depth of knowledge in the field, uh, and uh, yeah, to to talk to him person and to and to experience that depth of knowledge live, yes. and, and it, it was it was uh, it, it it was I I hate to say it because it is a little cliche to say, it, but it was honestly awe inspiring. He's a five-star guest on a three-star podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, um, <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah, we had we had talked about it, and uh, I was a little behind for the for the for the link up, and uh, uh, my wife uh, asked me, uh, "Well, what's the big deal?" And I, you know, I, my my wife's father used to collect uh, military antiques, and he was renowned as a source of knowledge amongst his peers. You know, he was like the go-to guy to help classify stuff and identify stuff. And, you know, he, he would, he would, uh, he'd be the guy that you asked, is this a forgery? Is this real? You know, what's this from? How much do you think it's worth? You know, he'd be like the, he'd be like the expert they called in from Pawn Stars. Yeah. You know, like if you're trying to sell something and they're like, we're not really sure about this, but we've got someone we can call. And then they call the expert in, and the experts either like this is a complete crap forgery, or yeah, this is really worth some good money. He was that guy, um, and, and that's that. You know, I explained it in those terms to her that Steve is that guy when it comes to comic books, at least as far as I can that's a tell. Good way to put it. Yeah, he he is he is that guy. He's his, the real his, deal. Yeah. Yeah, he's the re- real deal. His his knowledge, his ability to freaking, uh, and I know we talked about it afterwards, Mark. His ability to determine what artist and what penciler and what inkers were involved in a project just by eye is it, it, it is like like I said, it's it's all inspiring that someone has such a depth of field and such an ability to parse out those details, uh, uh, you know, on the fly like that. Um, speaking of which. Uh, we had a Pawn Stars guy come by to go through my father-in-law's collection, my late father-in-law's collection, to yeah. pick it up. So we had we had a Pawn Stars guy in my in-laws' house over the course of this last week. That's pretty cool. Yeah, digging through everything and picking. Th- you you you've been in the war room back yes. in the day. Yeah. So he was he was going in there and he was uh, assessing it and gonna buy it all out. See, that's what I hope happens to my, like, comic book collection when I die. You know, I have, like, figures, collectibles, comics. I I figure, you know, kids and family, they might take one or two things that may have, like, sentimental value, you know, like, that that makes them think of me. But I would, the last thing I would want is them just boxing this all, all this shit up and throwing it away because it's taking up space. So, oh, go, go fish. I was going to say, so, I mean, instead of doing that, like, my, my wish is, even if you just put it up on like eBay or something like in a lot, or even if you go to like a comic book store and just like, this is free to whoever wants it. I would rather this shit goes to somebody who's going to appreciate it. I don't care if they make any money off of it. I just, I don't want it just to get, you know, thrown away. Uh, speaking of which my, my, my late father-in-law did not uh, only collect military stuff. He had a, a broad overarching sense of what he thought was a value. And uh, he did pick up a couple of things uh, when I showed him some of the value of some Star Wars merchandise. Uh, and I've got 
I've got some stuff. Uh, be on the lookout because I'm going to send you one of them. Oh shit! Uh, to add to your collection. So be on the lookout. I'll let you know when I ship it. But yeah, it'll. Uh, I've got a, a Christmas present heading your way. <laughs> oh, I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, it'll be it'll be pretty cool. I think you'll get a kick out of it. And I, I think it definitely will have an excellent home in the dungeon. Cool. I, I look forward to it. Thank you very much. Oh, no sweat, dude. And I guess talking about Christmas, that brings us back on task. Yes. <laughs> so we're covering What If Venom Had uh, Possessed the Punisher. This is a course from uh, What If Volume 2. This is the December. Uh-huh. Now, uh, the December, uh, I didn't realize when we chose this, that this was the December issue. That's why I paused there for a second. That just works out. Well, it's the December 1992 issue. So that works out. Well, it's punished December, December, 1992 issue. It's all coming together. That's right. Everything's coming up. Millhouse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So this cover I'm a huge fan of this cover. It's very simplistic. You get the uh, the Punisher in the Venom costume, holding a couple uh, uh, an Uzi, a pistol, and you see Daredevil and Spider-Man in the background. It's exactly what's in the issue. It's you know they're not trying to oversell it. It's just it's. I, I think the less is more approach is awesome. Yeah, it was definitely a. Uh... It's definitely like like you always uh, like you always say you know if is this gonna make a, a teenage kid that's wandering into the freaking comic book store want to pick it up off the shelf? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Because you yeah you've got you've got what clearly you initially identify as Venom, but then you see he's got the Punisher skull and he's using fucking uh, pistols. With Spidey and Daredevil standing in, you know, like you said, standing in the background, it, it makes you wonder what the hell happened here. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm proof that this is a cover that works because this is from my collection. Uh, I pulled out the floppy for this uh, this episode. But, yeah, I bought this when I was a teenager and I, you know, ran home, read it. And this has been forever my favorite what if issue issue. And I talk about it a lot. So, I mean, this absolutely, the cover was very effective in that regard. Yeah, totally. And it's, it, it is an eye grabber and an attention catcher for certain. Um, this issue, written by uh, Kurt Busiak, uh, Luke McDonald is the artist, Janice Chang the letterer, Tom Vincent colorist, Craig Anderson is the editor, and Tom DeFalco is the, as the watcher, so uh, the editor-in-chief. Nice. So, uh, did your uh, did your digital copy have the uh, advertisements in it? Uh, I think so. Yeah, the opening that. cover. There's an ad for a movie. I wonder if this ever came out. It's got a like a lamp on it. Uh, Aladdin. <laughs> Walt Disney's Aladdin. Does anybody remember that? Uh, uh, yeah, I have a couple of copies, but actually, no, the digital copy did not come with that, uh, that stuff. Unfortunately, it was, uh, nice when we, uh, when we, uh, did that other episode that had all the ads in it, it was pretty, uh, pretty, pretty great to go in that way back machine. Yeah. We stopped for a few minutes and talked about the, uh, the hostess ad 
and all uh and which steve is like well you can tell that uh uh george perez was like the artist on this and i'm like man he just <laughs> man yeah such a good time awesome. yeah it was it was awesome for sure so this this episode bleh, this issue opens up it is uh it's a church in new york and we have the Punisher. He's coming by the church. He's lighting a few candles for his slain family. And this is the same church that Spider-Man, when he realized that Venom uh, was taking him over, he uh, confronted them there and then used the sonic vibrations of the, uh, the church bell to try to kill Venom, which he thought was successful, but as Eddie Brock proved to him later, was not. And the conceit of these what-ifs, if you didn't hear the other episode or if you've never read these before, is these are all different dimensions and they explore questions of uh, what could have possibly happened if circumstances were different. So, right. So on this first page, we see the Venom symbiote. It is uh, Frank Castle and not Eddie Brock that's here, and it, it, uh, it attaches itself to him, basically. Right. <laughs> I like, I like uh, Frank's initial thoughts about what it is that's happening to him. Uh, it was pretty, uh, pretty interesting that someone that's supposed to be as in the know as he was, uh, didn't really understand what he was up against or what he was, what he was dealing with for so long throughout the issue. Yeah. And it's, I mean, cause this is the, the early eighties. I mean, at this point, you know, nobody knew that Spider-Man's costume you know, that he had gotten, I mean, if you weren't in the, the Secret Wars, because that's where it happened, if you weren't on Battle World, you don't know that he got that costume off world. And nobody knew it was a, an alien life form, even though it could do all that stuff, until Spider-Man started to have all these blackouts, and then Mr. Fantastic, he went to him, he's like, what's going on? He's like, holy shit, it's a symbiote, it's trying to take you over. And that's when they had that confrontation. So, yeah, it is definitely... It was a naive world where the Marvel Universe didn't know about Venoms and symbiotes and carnages and anti-Venoms and, and whatnot. <laughs> so, yeah, he's... Uh, we get a cutover <clears throat> as Frank's dealing with this. And we, we see in all these what-ifs, uh, as far as what I've seen, you've, you've got a narration by the Watcher. Yes, he is our guide. He's not only watching our Earth, but Earths across the multiverse. And, man, this is a quite the buff watcher. He is cut. He is yoked out. Yes. <laughs> he's been working out on uh, on his little watching station. Yeah, he's been uh, he's been pumping some iron. Yeah, well, apparently it's power. You know what? If you look at it, it looks like it's a stairmaster at the bottom. So if he wants to watch Frank, he's got to like <laughs> run up a couple flights of stairs at a time. He's got a Peloton bike. <laughs> who guilted him into using it <laughs> well he's got a wife back on the watcher homeworld he's probably giving her updates you know you're like uh -oh. i didn't know how much this bike was going to change my life i thank you so much i'm so sedentary here watching earth and all these other earths so this was really useful i didn't know how much it was going to change my life you know in a month nobody's going to know <laughs> what the fuck we're talking about with that google peloton ad you'll You'll get yeah, it. Yeah, you'll get it. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Ah, oh, pop culture. Gotta love it. So, yeah, he recaps what happened that Eddie Brock, who he was uh, professionally embarrassed by Peter Parker, 
uh, Venom was feeling rejected by Spider-Man. They found each other at this church. They became Venom. They tried to kill Spider-Man. That's what happened in our universe. But in this wow. one, what's it? I was just thinking, man, those two would have been a great ad for Christian Mingle. <laughs> had to do it. I had to do it. <laughs> man, they get a little creepy, like in the newer series where Venom calls like the thing. It's like he's like beloved or some shit. It just gets a little bit creepy for me, which I think is part of why they do it. But some people get really into that. They want like <laughs> ready to have sex with the symbiote. That's just you're, you're pushing that a little too far. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, getting a little, getting a little out there. Um, but yeah, so we we get like you said, we get this uh little cutaway, and then we go back to this uh front page splash of what if Venom had possessed the Punisher, and we see the the Venom or the Punisher is totally Venomized. He's got the Venom logo, but it's got the skull in the chest, and instead of kind of those like attached, like just Venom, it it, it just looks like he has like footy pajamas. You know, you can't tell the clear-cut line of, like, a shoe or anything. It very much is, like, the ben- the Punisher's costume. It's got his, like, boots, but instead they look exactly like his normal boots, but they're black instead of white. It even looks like on the left leg there might be, like, a knife or something on there as well. Oh, yeah. And it looks like he's got, like, a pistol, uh, and it, he's got a, an M60 on his back. And he's on the rooftop, but he's got that traditional Venom-looking face. And he's looking badass. Yeah, he... he uh... Got I got to say, it's a, it's an awesome combo. He's got some meaty legs, so maybe someone got him a, pe- a Pentaton as well. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who's he sending the updates to? <laughs> Microchip. <laughs> oh, well, he, maybe maybe Microchip said something a little, little risque to him afterwards. <laughs> <clears throat> Foreshadowing. So, um... I mean, this issue just, I love it just hits the ground running. You know, he's not sitting around thinking about the suit or practicing with the suit. He's like, this is the suit. I control it. Let's go to fucking town with it. And, I mean, we just hit the ground running. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's Frank. He's, 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 he's a man with, with a mission that he is 100% dedicated to. And if there's anything available to help him further that mission, it is a tool that is merely there for him to use. He put Microchip in charge of, he's like, hey, dig up anything you can on this suit, but in the meantime, I've got some criminals to kill, and he's he calls this his field test. And I thought this was super innovative, because as far as I know, I have never seen this done in a, another Venom comic. You know, Venom has been, you know, uh, Eddie Brock, Mike Gorgon, uh, uh, Flash Thompson, and then there was a newer guy who had it for like a six issues or something before uh, it went back to Eddie. Nobody's used it the same way, but one of Venom's powers is he can uh, change to look like any clothing. Uh, In these older Venom, or Punishers, he doesn't do this too much anymore, but in the older, like, uh, Punisher series, he would use disguises, like wigs and mustaches and beards to get close to criminals. Well, he uses that natural natural camouflage ability to create a lifelike mask so he's approaching his target. He looks like a uh, he's in a suit, and he looks like an elderly uh, 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 a male, and that's how he's getting close to the guy, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's that's a brilliant use of uh, the camouflage there. And, and he, uh, he gets close to this guy, real up close and personal, and uh, it basically looks like 
uh, what's I know I made a freaking Temple of Doom reference earlier, but that part where the freaking uh, the priest just kind of reaches in and rips out someone's heart. Yep. It looks like he went for that, except yeah, with finger knives. Yeah, he just says the guy's name. Yeah, what do you want? Venom just just turns back into the normal Venom look. It just makes a big Freddy Krueger hand and just rips into the dude. Yeah, I like Freddy Krueger hand better. Like my mind was going to Edward Scissorhands, but hey. <laughs> so, um, the guy he's got a couple bodyguards. Uh, they're just completely caught off guard. This guy just walks up, murders their boss, and they're uh, trying to jump into action without really thinking about it. He uses uh, webbing, which is what Venom has, all the the powers that Spider-Man has. So he uses the Venom to uh, web these guys up. Uh, Punisher notices, and I'm just going to read the the caption. Sticky stuff it fires is a lot like Spider-Man's webbing. It immobilizes without causing damage. I don't like that. (laughs) I wonder if it can do webbing. Can it do bullets? Yep. Oh, man. Teenage Mark thought that was the coolest fucking thing in the world. (laughs) because <laughs> a little gun just pops out of his arm and uh, sh- shoots like a machine gun, like Buddha Buddha, which I got to say, small criticism. It's not like it's forming gunpowder, so I don't think it would make a machine gun-like noise, but it could easily make a bullet-like object and fire it out. So, I mean, I, I think that would work. Yeah, yeah. And maybe it's just creating a... It clearly has a, a gun effect where we see like the the like a, a flame shoot out the front to show it shooting. I don't think it would do that, but maybe even the suit responding to to, to, to the Punisher's thoughts would make a similar like noise. So, yeah, but he guns down with uh, with you know, bullets these two uh, these two uh, uh, guards. So I mean, he just killed three people in broad daylight within like two seconds in the, in the streets of New York. It's fucking awesome. Yep, which, uh, yeah, that um, seems like he goes on a little rampage. Yeah, um, again, I'm just going to read this caption. This this issue is so good. Unaware that the symbiote is anything uh, but a powerful new weapon, the Punisher sets up his vendetta against the underworld. And if he realizes that his methods grow more brutal and vicious with each passing day, he doesn't seem to care. Which would be exactly how Frank would be. Yeah, yeah, it's not surprising at all. You know, he's just like, you know, probably in the back of his mind, he's kind of thinking, oh, my efficiency's gone up 200%. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how I thought of it, too. Yeah, but you see him, like, jump through a window. And again, it doesn't matter if he's, you know, taking, like, bullets or he getting hit, because it's not like that's going to hurt him. And he's just using his symbiote uh, guns just to mow people down, even if they surrender. Which, again, that's how the Punisher has mostly been uh, 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 shown uh, that 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 wouldn't slow him down. Right. Well, meanwhile, in other parts of uh, New York City, uh, words getting around that uh, while there might not be a new freaking, uh, what do you want to call them, force to be reckoned with on the streets, uh, one is definitely escalating violence a little bit more. Yeah, because I mean, he's Punisher is getting much more bold, much more vicious. So yeah, people are noticing. And as Spider-Man in a copy of his black costume swings by an old woman, she screams for him not to hurt her, or not to hurt her. Right, and your friendly neighborhood Spidey-Man would, of course, want to you know figure out what the hell's going on. Yep. So he he kind of talks to her and gets the lowdown. 
This woman says, you know, you're not him, but you look like him. This guy who's been ripping through, uh, ripping up all these gang kids. You know, he looked like you. So Spider-Man's pretty quick. He figures out, could could that costume still be alive? And could, you know, uh, could it be out there killing people? Mm-hmm. And this, these next panels are awesome. Daredevil, and this is uh, showing his battle with the Wild Boys, which was happening you know, at that time. He, uh, he's taking out these two perps and he looks up and he sees a shape that you know it looks like spider-man swinging across some rooftops but with his ability he's able to listen to the heartbeat and know that it's the punisher but he senses something else something is wrong and that he's going to go look into this right so moving on we change scenes back over to uh, frank's house and uh, frank's frank's feeling a little winded a little tired you know, some late nights, a lot of web slinging, a lot of freaking murder, mayhem, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Yeah, he's just chilling out in his lazy boy, uh, kind of going over the murder and mayhem of the day, and uh, he nods the fuck out. Yeah, he realizes that he's sleeping more, he's having to eat more, so he's like, uh, he thinks maybe the it's almost like the suit is drawing the energy out of me that it's using to make these bullets, but that's ridiculous, though. I mean, because it's he thinks it's just a machine. He, in his mind, he thinks this is probably some, like, S.H.I.E.L.D. prototype. So he falls asleep, and the uh, Venom symbiote starts to take over. Right, yeah, and, he, you know, it's nicely illustrated. You know, he's he, he was shirtless in the first panel, and by the second panel, the suits pretty much covered him up. And as you see, he's, he's dropping off. You know, the tendrils of the symbiote are, are, are wrapping around his head and fully engulfing him and taking him over. This happened a lot to Peter in those issues. He'd go to sleep, and the symbiote would go out there and like fight crime and you know, brutally while he was sleeping, and he had no memory of doing it. Right. Well, as he nods off, and as he's sitting there, a microchip comes walking in and probably said something about how his thighs looked. You know, like <laughs> where's my thigh cap or something. Haven't you not been using that Peloton bike I gave you, you fucking asshole? There's some dust on it, Frank. This won't this won't do. <laughs> you hear it? You, you've been ne- neglecting your mileage. I, I've seen this. Okay, <laughs> your cadence is off. <laughs> uh, 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 Frank Symbiote really doesn't care for that and proceeds to smash his freaking head into a wall. Pretty, pretty. Pretty aggressively, I think. I think it just lays him out. I at first, you know, you're led to believe the guy's dead. He looks dead, and the uh, the suit laughs about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Microchip came in. He's like, "I'm looking into the suit. I haven't found anything. I'm trying to hack the Fantastic Four's computer to learn more." And the Venom does not like that. And uh, this is actually funny because uh, Microchip in the comics does die, and the Punisher killed him. So, huh. Did not know that. I'm actually I'm having a bit of a brain fart. I think Punisher. I don't, I'm not sure if it, I don't think he killed him originally, but he was brought back by uh, um, blanking on the villain, and he was working for for bad guys. And uh, so the Punisher. There's this whole thing where he's back and he's working against the Punisher, and the Punisher ends up murdering him then too. It's a pretty brutal series. They bring back the Punisher's family, so he'll leave them alone. And as soon as he's introduced to his resurrected family, he just kills them again. Oh, God. Just without a second thought, without any remorse. He's like, they're dead. They were dead. This isn't going to happen. This is, it just, just goes on. Like, I mean, he has no, 
no thoughts about murdering his wife and, and kids. It's it is a brutal ass fucking scene. And in that, the uh, Punisher ends up murdering Microchip again. So anyway, a bit of a discre- or a uh, 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 tangent. Tangent. Spider Man is out web slinging. He goes by the church that he uh, he left the symbiote, and he uh, thinks he sees something. So he uh, uh, he's web slinging down to take a closer look when he's attacked by Venom. Yeah, with a big uh, what's that? I'm on up here for this one. Wolf. <laughs> oh, wolf. Yeah. <laughs> and this definitely looks like the classic Venom with the tongue hanging out and uh, the the fangs or like the sharpened teeth. And so again, we get reminded that why Venom's such a deadly adversary for Spider-Man is that he can be blindsided because the spider sense doesn't work on Venom. Perhaps he's going to receive a little blunt force trauma to the head? Yes. So (laughs) they're tumbling. Spider-Man saves himself with a web line, and he sees Punisher Venom just makes wings, which uh, and then shooting bullets at him, which he's like, man... And that's when he notices that the, the the Punisher logo, and he's like, is that the Punisher in there? And look at all the cool shit he's doing. I never even dreamed of you doing that with the suit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he, he, does, he does kind of realize, you know, is, is, is Frank in there? Or I don't know if he knows Frank's identity. Is the Punisher using the costume, or is the costume using him? Yeah, and as the fight goes on, because it lasts for almost an hour, and what's really creepy to Spider-Man is that, you know, Frank isn't saying anything. So, yeah, again, it kind of reinforces, I think, in Spider-Man's mind that I don't think that the Punisher's necessarily in the driver's seat. But, I mean, you see at the end of this fight, there's not a lot left of uh, Spidey's costume. No, it's it's pretty well tore up. So, it's... And he's just... I mean, he's barely holding his own, but every time he tries to grab the costume, you know, it just oozes out of his hand. Yeah, kind of like it's anticipating it. And this is super awesome that uh, Venom just uh, brings down like a side of a building down on Spider-Man. Spider-Man is down. He's doing his Freddy Krueger hands again. Right, and then that's 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 where you you get the no, <laughs> new no, Spider-Man is not a target. Spider-Man is not a target. He's a nuisance, not a criminal. I like that. Yep. He gets in my way, but he's not. Uh, but he's not a. He's not the guilty. He doesn't deserve punishment, and that's how the Punisher feels about you know Daredevil and uh, you know the whole spandex crew. Yeah, it, it's definitely. I mean, w- w- with the Punisher, it's it's very. Seems like it's very black and white. There, there's there's no shades of gray involved with him, which can be a good thing and can also be a bad thing. You're the guilty. You're the innocent. Those are the only two categories. Yeah, that's where you fall with that guy. So he spares Spidey and takes off. Yeah, I like this. He he looks down at Spider-Man and suddenly knows that he's Peter Parker. He doesn't know how he knows that, but he does. So uh, he, he repeats to himself, I stop myself. I'm, I'm in control. But he, he slings off, and that's when Spider-Man go, realizes he needs some help. Yeah. So, I mean, who's a a web-slinger going to turn to you for help in dealing with an alien symbiote that's freaking got all of his powers and has also expanded him into a new range of ways of dealing death and dismemberment that he had never even thought of? Yeah, and he goes to the Fantastic Four, and this was one of those times where the... Because the Fantastic Four, they've had the core four members, but there's been a lot of substitutions over the years. And uh, in this early 80s, 
This is right. Uh, this was several issues after the thing came back from space after the Secret Wars. Uh, so the roster is a mutated thing. So he's got his more rocky appearance. Crystal, the Human Torch, and then the current Miss Marvel, who at that time uh, had mutated into a similar creature to the thing. Okay, hold on now. Hold on now. Because <clears throat> I was wondering who the hell these people were. I mean, I know, I, I know the, the core four. So, uh, yeah. So so the one that looks like a thing except smoother is that. Who the hell is that? That is the current Miss Marvel. What's her name? Ventura. Yeah, she dated uh, the thing for a while. And she got mutated on the, the, the uh, uh, while she was on the team to have a similar sort of appearance to the thing. And it's funny, like, you would... <laughs> people wouldn't realize... Because at one point, the thing wasn't the thing. Uh, he was just Ben Grimm full-time. And then he would be, like, the this female-looking thing, so people would be confused. Like, why does Ben Grimm have breasts? So it was a bit, uh, bit confusing. Yeah, Sharon I, I Ventura, mean, I think, is her name. Yeah, because the, the one panel that you really see it clearly it doesn't give you the any idea that there's a, any sort of a female anatomy involved yeah <clears throat> so i was just like okay i uh, i'm i'm sure the the fantastic four had kind of a a rotating uh a rotating crew a little bit here and there yeah. i had never heard of this like you know smooth thing <laughs> she's been depicted several different ways like looking more and less rocky because i <clears throat> kind of like the thing her appearance has evolved over time she was fixed for a while but i know in the current marvel universe she has that thing appearance again but yeah she went by the at this time she was going by the name miss marvel okay got it <clears throat> understood because miss marvel was not miss marvel at this point I'm trying to remember in the early 80s the thing with Rogue, I think, had already happened where Rogue had taken her powers. And, um, you know, she was, like, comatose for a while. <clears throat> and then she woke up, and when she went to space, she got her binary powers and was going by the name Binary. I don't think she was binary yet. I think she was still just powerless. I think she was just powerless uh, at that point, Carol Danvers. Okay. Well, um, that answers that question for me. Yeah, because I... Cause I I'm a huge Fantastic Four fan, and it's I have I have a lot of loose uh, Fantastic Four is, issues. It's always been something that's on my agenda to go back and just read from issues like one to four hundred, because I've I've read a lot of them, but not consecutively or have gaps in them or you know with years in between. So, yeah, yeah. So anyway, anyway, moving on. Yeah. So no Reed Richards, but he's looking for. Uh, but they kept all of Reed's stuff. So he's got this sonic gun that uh, he's hoping to use against Venom. Right. Let's we we cut over to Frank again. Oh, just wanted to point out the thing oh. gave Peter Parker some advice that Peter Parker should have already cut. You know, he should have already thought of this. If there's a psychopath going around murdering people and he looks almost identical to you, maybe now would be a good time for a costume change. Yeah. Yeah. You know. I mean. Just just a clue. You know, don't look like the mass murderer. Yep. So, <sighs> it, like you said, we cut over to Frank. Frank comes back, and uh, they add Microchip and his son, who... Uh, his son dies, I think, a few years after this. Uh, the mob kills him. Uh, I think that's the Punisher Volume 2. 
Punisher's like, yeah, I slept like a dog. Microchip's like, you don't remember, do you? And like, I remember reading this as a kid, a little bit surprised because I thought that uh, he had killed Microchip. Yeah, I had, I had thought he killed him too, so I was surprised to see him standing there. So this was the fifth night this week. You've, uh, you've gone weird like that. First time you hit me though, hit you. What's next? Gonna kill me uh, tonight or Junior here? You're out of control, Frank. No, I'm in control. I don't need you. I don't need any fucking nursemaid. I'm the Punisher. I'm in control. I have work to do. Yep. Which I, I do like how he's he's, he's utilizing uh, the symbiote's powers. He's badass. You know? Yeah, exactly, man. I mean, he sprouts wings, and he's uh, I don't know. I don't want to know. I don't want to know if this is this is actual flight or if this is just really awesome gliding or what. All I know is it looks badass because he's just full on assault mode. What you can't see in that rear panel where he's swooping down through New York, and I assume it's more like gliding, like you said, like the gargoyles. Uh, you know, there's only so much surface for that Venom symbiote. So while he has those wings out, you can't see it because there's a frontal shot. His ass is naked. There you go. Well, maybe he's using his flatulence to, to provide for propulsion. Uh, speaking of which, one thing I'm in tangent time, except I'm going to do it. Um, I am really fucking excited to get on Disney Plus and watch all the Gargoyles episodes again. Is Oh, those are on Disney Plus? Yes, they are. Oh, because I, I, I think I have like a free trial with Verizon. Yeah, I love – I have like the first season on uh, DVD. I love Gargoyles. Yes. Yeah, I, I am – so like there, there are some like animated shows that I will watch with my older kids because like I said, they fucking love anime and it took probably about two years or so of me constantly haranguing them to get them to watch the Avatar uh, animated series, yeah. which I, I I understand it's a Nickelodeon series and it was definitely geared a little bit to a younger audience, but the writing and the character development throughout all three seasons of that show are by far some of the best out there with full-on over our, you know, story arcs for all the main characters, really full and rich backstories for all the main, main uh, protagonists and antagonists, and a, a wonderful sense of closure at the end. And uh, I finally got him to start watching this, and, and it's, it, it is one thing that, 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 that lights me up. It makes me feel really good. When my my kids finally turn back to me and they look at me and they're like, "We're so sorry we didn't listen to you, Dad. This show's <laughs> fucking amazing." It, I'm like, "I know." <laughs> and it really holds up well. Yeah, it holds up really well. I mean, this is I'm I'm in and out kind of watching the watching it with them again. Uh, they finally got up to season three. Uh, I say finally, but it's been maybe like two months. So they've been they've been inhaling it. At, you know, not binge watching it completely, but at least two episodes a night they're going through. Um, and I've been kind of dipping in and out, especially like some of the more key moments that are, or some of the introductions of some of my favorite characters or like pivotal points in the story. I, I definitely like to kind of sit in with them and, and discuss it with them because everything in that show you can, you know, you can make great conversation out of it because it's so well written and there's so much there. 
so I've been probably rewatching it in bits and in bobbles for I want to say this is probably my fourth or fifth time watching that series through again. My favorite thing to do because I did a rewatch like ten years ago, and I had remembered that there were like several Star Trek voice actors, but watching it uh, again like ten years ago as in like an adult, how many just one time just just like uh, one one and done characters were voiced by Star Trek actors because there's a ton. Uh, you know what? I haven't gone into d- digging into that part of it. Michael Dorn, Marita Sirtis, Jonathan Franks, Brett Spiner. They all did reoccurring roles, but you had Kate Mulgrew was like the queen of the fairies. Avery Brooks was like uh, in the, at the Easter Island episode. He did like like the guardian. Nichelle uh, 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 Nichols uh, was uh, what's the female cop's name? Like played her mother. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, there's like a ton. And those are just the ones I'm remembering off like the top of my head. There's a ton that when you go back and if you listen carefully, you're like, oh, no, it's, 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 yeah, it's this person. It's this person. Yeah, I mean, it was just a smorgasbord of uh, Star Trek. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, everybody stay tuned in 2020 for The Rookery, the comic book pre- presents Gargoyles <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I'll be I'll be I'll be recording that one up in my attic. No. <laughs> <laughs> Only by uh, by nighttime. Only by night, exactly. Do, Stone by day. Do 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 do. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. <laughs> I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> That's such a fucking show. <laughs> so anyway, uh, uh, the Punisher. He swings into action, and he's going after uh, the Tombstone, who just uh, uh, started working for the Kingpin. And he's attacking them, as like the, the guards point out, in broad daylight. Yeah, there is, there is no stealth. There is no shame. He just goes in, uh, out for blood, and just wrecks through them yeah. like nothing. And he's full on Venom here. He's got like the Venom face. And it looks like he has, like, a sickle, like a symbiote sickle coming out of his arm that he's just carving people through and then using tendrils to just choke them. I mean, this is fucking insane. Yeah, it's definitely one of the the, uh, better uses of the symbiote that I've I've seen in comic books. So the Punisher breaks through the door and uh, uh, confronts Tombstone. And the... the there's intermittent uh, like shading around the 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 tomb of the tombstone's uh, word balloon when he says the Punisher. So I don't think that this is like a declaration like the Punisher. I in my mind he's so surprised, especially after hearing like thirty men just brutally being murdered and just just because the doors fly off the hinges when he when he comes in for that for Tombstone. I imagine it was a more of a Punisher. Just, 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 just the, just how just the monumental murder train that the Punisher is right now. I think even a hardened criminal like the, like the, the tombstone, like, like, like tombstone, his, uh, his voice went up a few octaves. Yeah, realizing exactly how much shit he's in right now. So I think we had a bit of a disagreement here on what the what tombstone or what happens to tombstone. My what I think happens because we see him bend over the uh, tombstone and just his arms and legs in the air, and the Punisher very clearly bit him. 
Um, it was a running joke in the 90s with the Venom where he said he would eat somebody's brains. I'm thinking he ate his brain or just literally bit his head off and then yeah. spit something out. And yeah, you thought it was something else. I, I thought he might have went for the heart uh, and, and, and ripped that out. Um, okay, so with the context of the running joke in the 90s, I'm, I'm beginning to think the whole head thing is more viable. Um, However... However you oh. do the math on it, though, it's fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Um, had you seen the, uh, the, the, the Venom movie? I have not. I, I listened to the We Hate Movies podcast where they talked about it, so I have a, a, some familiarity with it. So they, one, one running joke throughout the movie is the same as that, that 90s joke where, you know, he's going to eat someone's face. And he, he does do that in the movie. Cool. So... Uh, I'm 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 willing to, to bet that he did in fact freaking you know now that you say that and now that that I, I understand that that's part of the uh, it's a legacy characteristic if you yes. will <laughs> uh, I'm willing to concede that yeah he probably ate his face off that's so fucking cool especially in the 90s when this is a, still under the comics code we see some viscera like leaking from uh, from his mouth afterward and this is a <laughs> patur. Like onomatopoeia when he spits out whatever, so fucking cool. With a very loud splat. <laughs> <laughs> so fucking cool. Yeah, it's like one monstrous loogie or hairball or you know head. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the Punisher just breaks through the door into the uh, Kingpin's office, and the Kingpin still calm and in control. Uh Says, you know, that I don't have time for this now. I'm going to have to ask you to leave. And he sicks uh, Typhoid Mary and Daredevil on, uh, the, on the Punisher. Punisher's confused by this. Like, why are you working for the Kingpin? You know, Daredevil, you hate the Kingpin. He's like, I'm hardly working for him. I just heard the screams of all the men you were murdering and followed them here. <laughs> I need, you need to be stopped. Yeah, you're getting a little out of control, bud. All right? Like, before... Yeah, your, ta- your your tactics were a little heavy-handed, but they, you know, I, I mean, the intent behind them was overall good. They were a bit yeah. more surgical. Yeah, <laughs> now you're you're just full-on berserker mode. You're yeah. eating people, and you're eating people. I, you know, definitely, I think, uh, you know, a, a, as part of the uh, the tights brigade, the spandex uh, class of the superheroes, um. I, I think once you start eating people's faces, you you might be wandering a bit into a gray area. Just Agreed. saying. I uh, I love Typhoid Mary's response to this because uh, Punisher's trying to shoot them, and she says, "Oh, what sharp teeth you have, Grandma! Are you really a big old bad wolf or a big bad old wolf?" So she's from this and the other couple panels with her. You can tell she's clearly getting turned on by the Punisher, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah she's definitely she's definitely feeling it and uh you know they they battle and you know while daredevil and typhoid mary are, are focused in on on the punisher uh he he's focused on his his goal and his goal of course is the elimination of the kingpin so while he deals with them he he sneaks a couple tendrils over to the kingpin and uh you know, gives him a nice good old choking out. Yeah, it's so fucking... I know I keep saying that, but that's so fucking cool. So he's got... Well, he's fighting, you know, 
Typhoid Mary and Daredevil are no slouches. And so while doing that, while they are giving 100% to fight him, he's able to still get a, a, a tendril over, like you said, and murder the kingpin. I mean, just all, like, like, and they're just completely powerless, all under their nose. That is so fucking cool. And he is just, the kingpin falls over dead as shit. And yep. we see the Punisher's getting less and less lucid. Like, he's slurring his ro- uh, his words, and it's just, yeah, he is, he's slowly losing it. Yeah, and uh, as he, like, uh, as, he, as he downs the kingpin, he, uh, he just turns off. He's like, my job here is done. Bye, Felicia. Yep. Jumps he, out a window. This next panel, this was familiar with to me, and I, it took me just till now to realize it. This guy who's poisoning the aspirin, this is from he, he this was from an issue of the volume two of the Punisher series from like the mid nineteen eighties. There was a guy who was punishing or who was uh uh poisoning aspirin bottles and the Punisher takes him out. So I it took me a minute to put that in perspective or to remember that. But yeah, I mean without even skipping a beat, Punisher sees that, jumps through the window and just murders this guy and just keeps on going. Like you said, I mean it just barely slowed him down. Well, yeah, it's just a regular guy. I mean, that's 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 nothing. But while he's doing this, the Venom symbiote is uh, influencing him. While he's doing, while he's hunting, it's influencing him to also be uh, hunting Spider-Man. Right. Well, I didn't, they, didn't you mention before, like in the while Venom and Parker were were joined together, Parker would black out a little bit, and Venom would just run around fighting crime in just a more more brutal manner. So. The symbiont still was doing kind of what the host wanted, except in its own more berserker manner, shall we say? Yes. So it uh, they all meet up at that same church, and uh, Spider-Man and Daredevil elicited some help. They have Moon Knight. Uh, you know, did I not hear? I, I swore I read this somewhere. Didn't Moon Knight like? rip people's faces off or something um there's a bunch of moon knight i haven't read he was a character i kind of avoided for a while because i the 90s appearances kind of left a bad taste in my mouth he's more vicious so uh i i definitely think it's possible i mean he has no qualms about killing and he's insane so i would definitely i, I could see him using his like uh moon blades and yeah cutting somebody cutting somebody up but yeah, he's okay. he's not shy about killing. Yeah, I, I thought I read that somewhere. You know who is an expert on Moon Knight? Is a uh, Super who? Steve. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, maybe we should ask him next time we talk to him. So, but yeah, it, it's something I've always wanted to go uh, dig into, and I've I've got some of the uh, uh, like all the early appearances. Like the, I have the first two Moon Knight omnibuses. And I've been saving them because I thought that's something that down the road we might want to cover some of those initial appearances of the Moon Knight because it kind of fits our purview. But, uh, I mean, we have so much stuff to cover. That would be like 2024. Well, hopefully we're still we're still chugging along. Although, uh, yeah. <laughs> hopefully the country's still chugging along. Uh, we all need to get on those Peloton bikes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's definitely about... It's not like 250, 270 pounds that we could do without in this country. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, Venom sees that these are the Spider-Man, friends of Spider-Man, so they're bad people. He must kill them all. 
So yeah, this is just the Venom symbiote fully in control now. Yeah, so he goes on the attack hardcore. He's just kicking their ass. He I, is. He's wiping the floor with them pretty fucking well. He fucks up Moon Knight, like body slams him into like the, the bell. And uh, yeah. yeah, they are unable to stop him. Um, he's trying to pull down the church bell on top of them. Yeah, well, yeah, a little, little, little bit of a twist on Spider-Man hurting him with the bell. Now he's gonna hurt Spider-Man with the bell. Yeah, Spider-Man hits him with like the sonic cannon. It doesn't look like it's working, so he theorizes that he's completely bonded with the host. Which Sonic still hurt Venom. His two weaknesses will always be uh, fire and uh, and Sonic's, which makes him a bit uh, like Frankenstein. But uh, oh yeah. Um, so yeah, they can't separate him without killing him. So uh, okay, go on, go ahead. So yeah, at this point, you cut over to the next page, uh, twenty-four. I know we haven't been saying them, but uh, yeah, you have like uh, Frank's kind of half covered with the symbiote, and the tendrils are all around him, and he's just you know. He thanks Spidey, and he's like, I'll, I'll take it from here. And he proceeds to shoot the freaking sonic cannon out of his hand. Yep. It's kind of cool. Like, you see his top half uncovered, so it's like the tendrils are kind of away from his brain. And you see he takes a little, like, control back. But then we get, uh, yeah, an interior. It's, like, inside the, uh, Punisher's mind, and we see him dressed as he, uh, in his uh, uniform from Vietnam. Right, so yeah, you can you can safely assume it's some sort of dream sequence of, of his internal battle with the symbiote. Yep. And uh, it, it goes on, and he's getting stalked, and you know, eventually he shifts from his camis into his Punisher uniform. And of course, he's, he's, he's repeating that mantra of he's in control because he's the Punisher. And uh, he squares off, uh, he's getting ready to square off against the symbiote, and it cuts back to what everyone's doing outside. Yeah, there's a cool ad here for Doom 2099, and I've I've read like the, some of the Spider-Man 2099. This is one I've always wanted to go back to, but I uh, again, that's another tangent. Just a kick-ass <laughs> Doom 2099 ad. But anyway, like you said, they're on the roof, and they're all just kind of standing around, just watching like the the uh, Silent Punisher just kind of standing there in his internal battle. Right. And so he finally squares off against the uh, inner representation of the symbiote. I, I do like that Moon, like Spider-Man's like, I'm going to try to snap him out of it. And we get this just kind of hilarious exchange between them. And Moon Knight's <laughs> like, you guys are creatures of science, but I'm a creature of mysticism, the moon. And I've seen things you haven't. So we're just going to stand here and I, I can tell you he's fighting this win, this, this battle inside. And we're just going to stand here awkwardly and let him do it. It's just kind of a mildly funny exchange. Yeah, yeah. So Frank's Frank's on the inside fighting the symbiote, and uh, he's using his traditional means and methods, which are ineffectual at best. Yep. Uh, when he, he kind of comes to the realization that, uh, you know, he's, he's bonded. There's really nothing he can do about it, but he can negotiate terms. Yeah. It's the only <clears> thing <throat> that matters to the, the Punisher is the hunt. So if the Venom symbiote will... You know, I'm in control. If you want adventure, you want this excitement, you want this this lifestyle, you can have it through me. But I'm in charge. We kill who I say. You know, we go after who I say. And if this is you can't live with this, 
uh, I'm gonna kill you by killing me, and you see, I, I'm serious. I, I have no, I have no qualms about doing that. And he gives it the choice. Yep, and the symbiote chooses wisely. Yep. So he just wakes up. He puts the suit, kind of like the suit, recovers him. Tells them it's over. And Spider-Man asks the obvious question: How could you know that? Uh, well, I guess you're just gonna have to take my word for it, or kill me. And none of you have the stomach to kill me. So we'll see you later. Uh, there's one glaringly obvious thing that, that kind of informs the the reader that you know Frank's more in control because like for the first time when he's like I think out and about in like kind of combat ready mode the symbiote hasn't covered his head he probably should because I mean that makes him much less vulnerable to attack but yeah like you said that shows that he's he's in control and every time he makes wings the wings get cooler and more metal <laughs> and these are just like they're eight feet long and they just look super fucking cool Oh, he's got that extra surface area because he doesn't have to cover his head. <laughs> but you know, I'm willing. I'm, I'm more than willing to bet Moon Knight got a full moon on this one, <laughs> which made him more powerful. <laughs> so, oh man, Daredevil points out we don't have time to go after him with the Kingpin dead. There's going to be a uh, a gang war, and they're going to need everybody they can to minimize the uh, the 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 fallout for innocence. So they're just going to have to basically, they can't afford these personal vendettas and just have to keep an eye on him and just, you know, trust him for now. Yep. And so they will have to. I mean, what what other choice have they got? And uh, this is where uh, Yuda, the Watcher, he gets his uh, Jerry Springer final moments. And uh, <laughs> his final, what, he, what did Jerry, he called him his final thoughts. Yeah. Yes. It's not like this Venom is any less dangerous than the Venom in our world. But where uh, you know he was an uncontrollable like creature of hate in ours. If he's not an instrument of justice in this world, at least he's one of vengeance. Question mark. And yeah, I gotta say that the, the kind of the splash up top above that little bit, it it, it is very like Batman esque if you ask me. It, absolutely, the wings are very yeah, Batman esque. The way he's holding the freaking wings, kind of like sometimes you see Batman holding his cape in that manner. And just the swooping down in the cityscape. Granted, it's not as gothic as Gotham would be, but it, yeah. it is definitely reminiscent of that kind of that 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 not noirish, but that kind of dark gothic, for lack of a better word, uh, uh, feel to it. I don't know. I think it's also kind of funny because it was so much of the supporting cast in this issue: Microchip and his son, both dead, and the Watcher, dead. A lot of these guys did not make it into modern Marvel. The only characters that really have Spider-Man, Daredevil, Tombstone, and the Kingpin. <laughs> Kingpin is mayor of New York. Did you know that? Uh, well, Trump's freaking president of the United States. So. I think that's definitely what they were going with. Uh, Lex Luthor got to be president of the United States. I remember that. So, I mean, hey, shit happens. Um, great issue. I loved it. I'm glad we revisited it. Like I said, I, I had put it on such a pedestal after rereading a couple times. I'm like, it's good, but it wasn't as good as I remember it being. But then talking about it with you, I'm back up that this just – it is at that amazing level. It is. It's it's definitely – I think this is one of my favorite parts of comic books. Uh, you know, other than the other, – other than the, the great stories that you can get out of it, and the archetypes that, that established kind of how we view these kind of spandex style heroes. Um, you have 
a very fertile ground for spitballing. You know, for me, you know, since I was more of a DC guy growing up, uh, they had a series called Elseworlds, which were really similar premises to to Elseworlds is what you have here in the what ifs. And um, like two of my favorite ones were very much along similar veins. It's what if you had one of this vigilante style hero that's really just, an, you know, an extraordinary but still human person and you grant them superpowers like two of my favorite ones on the DC side are, you know, what if, you know, Clark Kent, instead of crashing on that farm in freaking, I don't know, fucking Kansas, uh, you know, crashed into Gotham and was adopted by Bruce and Martha Wayne. And, and, and he became Batman except with Superman's powers. Or there's another one where uh, the, the green lantern, I forget the alien's name, instead of giving the lantern to Hal Jordan, gave the lantern to Bruce Wayne and he, you know, he was Batman with the powers of the green lantern. You know, I think this falls in a similar vein as Punisher with the powers of venom granted a little more violent, a little bit more morbid, although Batman slash Superman freaking what if was, uh, he melted a couple of dudes faces off in that one. So, <laughs> Always so coming yeah. back to the face. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, yeah, they, they, they can be a little more gratuitous in their violence with the inclusion of these superpowers. But that, that, that merging of these uh, iconic characters into one and kind of parsing through the, the scenarios of what could have happened if, you know, something within this universe would have changed ever so slightly and, and granted, you know, powers to a different person. How could that have turned out? And those are always fascinating uh, exercises for me. Yeah, I love these. I love the what ifs. I love the else worlds. Yeah, it's always a fascinating concept when they uh, when we explore the those like what if possibilities. Yeah, great issue. If you guys haven't read yes. this one, it's not on Marvel Unlimited yet. But uh, I mean, the floppy you can get it fairly cheap. I would rec- highly recommend it. Um, you guys, Comic Book Dungeon Podcast at Gmail dot com. Uh, let us know what you thought of the show. Let us know how you're going to spend Punish December. Again, tell us some of your favorite what if uh, issues or some what ifs you would like to see. Yep, or you can hit us up on the Instagrams at Comic Book Dungeon Podcast on Instagram. Uh, you know, DM us, send us a message, send an email to the other address, or uh, can they reach you anywhere else, Mark? Yeah, Broken LMD uh, at, uh, uh, at on, on Twitter. And uh, we've been getting a shit ton of downloads again lately, so I know you guys are out there. This is this is our podcast. This is this is for everyone. This is this is the people's podcast. So uh, let us know uh, what you think of the show. Let us know uh, what you. Th- Sorry, my phone opened up and started searching the people's podcast. See, even my <laughs> phone is giving us fucking good feedback. So yeah, let us know what you guys think. Uh, what about you? Where else? Uh, is there anywhere else they can uh, uh, reach you? Uh, other than that, uh, unless you want to join me playing some Destiny, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you would be the right up, guy for it. You could always uh, look up the Iron Wolves Gaming Community on Facebook. We have a uh, Facebook and uh, all. Nah, I'm not gonna plug. Uh, I'm not gonna plug that. <laughs> uh, join them this uh, this Saturday in Barstow, where his guild will be doing a car wash and bake sale to uh, raise money for uh, the Bungie Con. So stay tuned. Oh gosh, <laughs> he, Cruz will be the one in the Daisy Dukes. 
Yes, exactly. Daisy Dukes with a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> uh, anything else? No, that's it, man. That's it, man. Keep turning to seeing you guys on the next one. Yeah, and uh, remember, everybody, have a great Punish Sember and a happy Trek year. Good night, everybody. Get you.
Hey, where'd that cool, creepy Santa come from? Japan. Except over there, they call him Annual Gift Man, and he lives on the moon. <laughs>